the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushdooney. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Calcine Report, number 100, December 1973. Bertrand Russell, when asked about the future of religion, answered, quote, I think it depends upon whether people solve their social problems or not. I think that if they go on being wars and great oppressions and many people leading very unhappy lives, probably religion will go on. I think that if people solve their social problems, religion will die out, unquote. Bertrand Russell speaks his mind, page 25, New York, Avon Books, 1960. This idea was not original with Russell. A similar belief was basic to Freud's psychology. Freud believed that religion would survive as long as the sense of guilt existed and was treated as a religious concern. Fraud psychology had as a central concern a desire to convert guilt into a medical problem, explain it in terms of social evolution, and thereby eliminate religion. R.J. Rushdooney, Fraud, Philadelphia, Presbyterian and Reform Publishing Company, 1965-1968. Other social philosophers have held that the elimination of religion will come as man is led into the great society or community, into a world beyond good and evil, and a world without problems and without a law structure derived from God. As a result, the drive to establish that perfect world order has had a double impetus for humanists. For them, it means first, the elimination of God and of religion. Where man has all that he wants, and problems of guilt and death have been overcome, and peace and plenty prevail. Who needs God? Hence the frantic and urgent drive to eliminate all of man's problems through the scientific socialist state, to bring in a humanistic paradise, and to forget forever the very idea of God. Hence, too, the readiness of scientists and people to delude themselves and to believe always that they are on the verge of a great breakthrough to the creation of life, its control, and its endless extension. All too many are ready to believe as the world stumbles into hell. That paradise is just a few years or a generation away. Second, with the God of the Bible eliminated by man's victory, man can then comfortably declare himself to be the new God of creation and the elite planners can operate freely as the gods of a new world. However, 
The more earnestly this hope is pursued, the more desperate man's plight becomes. Technology has supposedly brought man closer to the solution of his problem. In reality, it has only intensified and aggravated man's long-existing problem. The problem is not technological. It is not a question of a breakthrough in biology, politics, futurology, economics, or anything else. The problem is man. He is a sinner, and nothing can alter that fact save the grace of God. The humanistic myth of human perfection is thus a dangerous one. It rests on an illusion of human autonomy and ultimacy, on the belief that man is his own God, can make his own laws, and can reorder reality in terms of his imagination. It leads man to that fundamental error which, for example, is at the heart of the new economics. If men determine that certain goals are to be desired, then nothing prevents their realization except the absence of power and technology. Given enough status power and technology, socialism, it is held, will work. Given enough money and power, the state schools believe that they can produce the ideal socialist child of the ideal socialist state. Given the power and the technology, the new world order will begin to emerge, and then religion, the state, inequalities, sexual differences, and all like, quote, evils, unquote, will gradually wither away. The biblical answer to this is to call to attention to the real problem, man himself and man's relationship to God. The next step is to recognize that God has his determined plan for man's progress, peace, and prosperity, his law. The law specifies what constitutes a good society, how to attain it, and how to suppress its enemies. The world under God's law, to use T.R. Ingram's great phrase, is a world in which there is a realistic achievement of the great goals of history. It is also a world in which the magnificent promises of Deuteronomy 28 are the natural consequences of faith and obedience. The humanistic approach to life's problems is suicidal. The word of wisdom ages ago stated this clearly, He that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Proverbs 8.36 In 1966, more than 100,000 college students, ostensibly the future of America, threatened suicide. More than 10,000 actually attempted it, and a 1,000 or more succeeded. The future leaders of the technological, humanistic paradise saw no future. They were sick at heart, involved in sexual delinquency, drugs, and the, quote, accepted forms, unquote, of student violence. Finding meaning in nothing, some finally sought escape into what was for them total meaninglessness, death. In 1973, even kindergarten and primary grade teachers report amazing acts of lawlessness and anarchy in their pupils. The heirs of Russell and Fraud are destroying themselves or their future. Meanwhile, a growing number of students are in Christian schools being trained for responsibility and leadership. The futurologists, who try to read the 21st century in terms of their technology, 
grind out their pipe dreams, unaware of the new power growing up all around them. Proverbs 29.18 tells us that where there is no vision in terms of God's word, then people run wild and perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. Calcine Report number 101, January 1974. The denial of God has meant the denial of any meaning beyond man. The universe is held to be a product of meaninglessness and chance accidents. And the attempt of any to find purpose or mind behind the universe is ridiculed as wishful thinking. The social consequences of such a belief are rarely admitted by atheists or agnostics. Among the few who have been a little consistent with their unbelief was John Rutledge, the Southern leader and one of the first associate justices of the United States. A little later, the Senate refused to confirm him as Chief Justice. Rutledge rejected every argument drawn from, quote, religion and humanity, unquote, to apply to social and political issues. His principle was plainly stated, quote, Interest alone is the governing principle with nations, unquote. Under the facade of Leas Fier, Rutledge, in fact, affirmed moral relativism and a statist economic order. It was with the 20th century that the politics of relativism began to flower into totalitarianism and slavery. Moral and religious values have been denied. There were now no restraints on the power of the state. The December 1973 Harper's Magazine carries an interesting example of this relativism. Frank Herbert's article, quote, Listening to the Left Hand, unquote, subtitled, quote, The Dangerous Business of Wishing for Absolutes in a Relativistic Universe, unquote. Herbert gives us an illustration to, quote, prove, unquote, relativity. If three bowls of water are lined up, one with ice water, another with lukewarm water, and the third with hot water. If we soak our left hand in the ice water and our right hand in the hot water and then plunge both hands into the lukewarm water, our left hand will report the middle bowl to be warm and the right hand will report it cold. Herbert calls this Quote, a small experiment in relativity, unquote, and adds, quote, we live in a universe dominated by relativity and change, but our intellects keep demanding fixed absolutes. We make our most strident demands for absolutes that contain comforting assurance. We will misread and or misunderstand almost anything that challenges our favorite illusions, unquote. It is amazing that a man could come to such a conclusion and a periodical print it. Where is the relativity except in naive experience? In reality, is there not a difference between hot and cold water? And is there not an observable temperature to the three bowls, one which can be registered apart from Herbert's childish game? Herbert, however, wants to destroy differences by means of relativism which is his private God. He posits that the human world or species is a, quote, single organism, unquote, and must be understood as such. 
Herbert continues to make a number of conclusions in terms of his faith. There are no absolutes, and to try to think in terms of them is to rule out, quote, an answer with a sensible meaning, unquote. After all, Herbert asks, apparently ignorant of thermometers or that a man can put both hands into all three bowls in turn, quote, which hand will you believe, the cold hand or the warm one? It serves no purpose to ask whether absolutes exist. Such questions are constructed so as to have no answer in principle, unquote. Herbert concludes, quote, Accordingly, both Pakistan and India could be equally right and equally wrong. This applies also to Democrats and Republicans, to left and right, to Israel and the United Arab Republic, to Irish Protestants and Irish Catholics, unquote. Practically, this means that there is no right or wrong, and short of total knowledge about all of reality, no conclusions can be drawn. For, quote, we do not like unproven propositions, unquote. Herbert's proposition is not only unproven, however, but it represents a very great act of self-blinded faith. If there is no right nor wrong, and the humanity is one organism, then there is no warrant whatsoever for any resistance to enslavement or for any independence from the mob or from a slave state. The rapid spread of status slavery in the 20th century has coincided with the spread of relativism and unbelief. Politics is thus far more than a political affair. It is a moral and a religious concern. Like all of life, it has deep roots in man's faith and the basic presuppositions of his life and outlook. As long as relativism spreads, so long will slavery increase, and the polities of slavery will dominate us. Education for slavery is the daily routine of modern status education, both in the Marxist states and in the Western democracies and republics. The continued decline in the learning ability of youth is a natural one. If all things are relative and in essence meaningless, then why should education, discipline, and a job have any meaning? Why bother with marriage, if marriage has no meaning because all is meaningless? We should not be surprised at the social anarchy of recent years. We have been schooling our youth for it. To school youth into a belief in relativism and the essential meaninglessness of life is at best to educate them for irrelevance, but even more, for death and final oblivion. Any culture which negates its heritage by its education has no future. It will be supplanted by those with a faith for living. Over and over again, this era is underscoring the truth of wisdom's declaration. Quote, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Unquote. Proverbs 8.36 Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Unquote. Deuteronomy 30, 19. If our foundation is not the rock, it will be the sands of relativism. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only 
King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his pain, the very prize. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, 
will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.